0: Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, Find out which episodes are coming up and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today we're talking about menopause, cancer, and if you can't take HRT, how do you actually manage your symptoms? And I'm delighted to be joined by Geri Joachim. She's based in the UK. She is a clinical hypnotherapist, but she also has her own cancer story that started during COVID lockdown. Geri, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much, Clarissa. It's lovely to be here.
0: It is lovely. And I think, I mean, your story is relevant to so many women, because we know now that pretty close to 5% of women will have a perimenopause that is either chemically or surgically induced. So it's not a small number on a global scale at all. Can you maybe talk through a little bit about your journey, menopause and your cancer at diagnosis?
1: Yeah, of course. So um, I started having very, so I'd call them fairly mild symptoms of perimenopause in, I think it was around 2018. Um, so I was 48. Um, I'd have sort of periods of hot flushes, particularly at night. Um, for a couple of couple of weeks or so then they would disappear for six weeks and then they'd come back so it wasn't too onerous I mean it was a little bit of a like oh this is this is the change coming you know um but um yeah so I thought you know nothing really of it just managing it with having things like a fan at night and you know that kind of thing and then um as we headed into uh 2020 of course Everything changed for everybody, but um, back that—that that was um, I was heading into my fiftieth uh, birthday, and I had a call, just a routine call to have a, a, a mammogram. You know, as, as I was heading into fifty, that's what happens, and um, so I went along. Um, it was one of these mobile units. Went along, had the mammogram. You know, sort of it took absolute you know i mean not even minutes it was very quick um and the ladies who run the the clinics tend to be you know really sympathetic they know what they're doing they put you at ease that you know it's just they make it as nice an experience as it is um so i had that went away and didn't think really anything of it then got um uh the the call that said oh actually we found some some unstable areas we just need to double check them so we'll need to do a biopsy so so this was still just before the lockdown so we didn't have you know it feels like um feels like we were living a bit of fairyland when we look back because we had no idea what was going to crash on our eyes no, <laughs> no idea so Um, I went along to, um, there's a local women's health clinic. Um, In fact, I went a couple of times um, and had to have biopsies under the mammogram. So you'd be in the mammogram, sort of the big mammogram machine, and they would put a bit of anaesthetic, and then they had to take some plugs of of samples and have them tested. So anyway, long and short, a couple of sort of things that, you know, tries, (laughs) goes at that, because there were a couple of two different areas they were looking for. Um, and, um, and then I had the results to say that they're, they're non-cancerous. So they were pre-cancerous, but they, they were just unstable. So they weren't to worry about, but you know, they needed to come out in case they changed, which is fine, except then we get, went into lockdown. So then I, I don't know what it was like for you, um, but certainly in the UK, pretty much everything got stopped unless it was covid related you know anything remote i mean it wasn't even routine i think a lot of emergency stuff was was sort of put on the on the back burner it it was it and i get that nobody knew what they were dealing with at that point you know it was all it was all just it felt kind of apocalyptic didn't it it was like even just going to the shops you had to gird your loins and you know get 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 ready to go so um so anyway they they sort of the the this letter came and they said right we're just gonna we're passing you over to the hospital you'll get some Mm -hmm. appointment in due course but don't worry about it so I, I'm quite good at not worrying about it so, I, so, so it left my head and I thought yeah. yes that'll all happen in due course um and then um we went through the summer coming into about uh, I think it was about September time I then finally got the call from the hospital to say right we need to just bring you in and, ch- and 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 do this I thought would be just the excision so basically under a mammogram it's like a vacuum-assisted yes. kind of um, big injection thing. They kind of just sort of hoover it out of you. Yeah. Um, but they uh, I went along to 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 have have this I thought being done, but actually all that happened was they did another biopsy. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, okay. So they basically started oh. again. Um, I got a little bit frustrated with it because I thought it was the, you know, they were just gonna get it done. Yeah. Um, anyway. It it went along. I then finally I actually got to see an oncologist consultant. Um, looking, you know, he then looked at those results and they said, look, basically because of where it is, um, there was a patch that was very near the near the nipple. Mm-hmm. There was so there are a lot of nerve endings there, yes. so they had to be quite careful with with um, how they treated it. There was also another patch that was right near the rib area, which actually. Yeah because of all the biopsies they'd taken, they kind of dealt with that because it was tiny amounts. Um, and I'm glad for that because that, I would say, was probably the most uncomfortable thing in the mammogram because if you can imagine, you had to stand really close into yeah. the machine yeah. and your ribs are kind of there. You're, yeah. you're literally between a rock and a hard place then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so anyway, I saw the, uh, the, the consultant. He said, look, we're going to have to do it under a general anesthetic just because of where it is no worries, we're just going to whip you in, get it done. So so I went in, got it done, and the results from that came back that they had mutated into cancer at that point. Wow. Um, and I very distinctly remember sitting in, and of course, at this point, you couldn't have anybody with you in consultations. Um, so I was on my own with the consultant and a nurse, um, and... It's it's a weird thing. It's like you can see lips moving, but you when you hear that cancer diagnosis, yeah. everything kind of stops for a
0: moment. I've heard that from other friends as well. Yeah. That there's this and they just keep talking because that's their job and they say it to people tens of times a day, probably. But yes, yeah, so you've got like a brain freeze, you're in total flight, fright terrified mode and the c word has come out yeah
1: yeah and it is it does feel like a big word and you know I immediately was thinking how am I going to tell my I've got two daughters my husband am I going to lose my hair which I know sounds very trivial but you do sort of start start because those are the things you know about cancer if you've never had anything else to do with it which I hadn't we haven't got any family history um, those are the things that you kind of see um you know are aware of so anyway I I sort of gathered myself back took a deep breath bearing in mind my my job is around stress management I've also not had you know like most people you go go through life I've faced redundancy at one point so I you know there are those points where you know they're pivotal points in your life so I Mm. and they they're useful because it means you've been there before so I know this is a different subject but you've had that kind of a life-changing moment where you had to just take a deep breath hold on (laughs) the world hasn't stopped and then just listen to what's being said don't kind of go off in this in this whirling stress head that yes. can happen hmm. because that's when you that's when you go into a panic mode where you where you just don't you just ha- you don't take anything on board and it, it's pretty useless actually state to be in because because you're not good to yourself and you're not being much good to anyone else around you so you've
0: completely sort of spun off into your own head haven't you and 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 you're right we all have faced in and by midlife a lot of things and we have some baseline resiliency or and we have some baseline grit as well
1: yeah
0: uh, that can that can pull us through to a point where we can take information on board
1: yeah, and that and that's really important because you need you know you do need the knocks in life to build that resilience. If you if you sail through life always you know winning and always achieving and always having positive experiences, you're just you are not going to be prepared for you know when something does happen, and it will because you know our lives are long and we yeah. do experience all sorts of things across yeah. it. Um, so so I listen to the words and 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 the 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 pertinent ones to me were it's highly treatable it was slow growing so mm. you know it wasn't something that was going to hopefully rampage through through my body um and we we we've got a treatment plan that we know what we're going to deal with it and and that's all i needed to know yeah. so so the nurse um you know I mean I was a bit you know of course I was upset so so the nurse took me outside we went and had a bit of a breather got some fresh air just collecting she was lovely um and, and very supportive I then went back in and saw one of the oncology um the breast cancer nurses and I remember sitting in her office and she was preparing this massive folder and I mean this thing was the size of i don't know it was just like a like a huge book of all the leaflets and all and i kind i sort of eyed her a bit sideways and i just said to her i don't want that i just i didn't want it i did not want this big folder of stuff because i didn't feel that i needed to become an expert in this i had the consultant, they were the experts. Yeah. The, the breast cancer nurse, they're the experts. I, I honestly, and I'm not going to go home and start googling Doctor Google on on all, all this stuff. So, mm. so actually, and I think in those situations, I think you are absolutely within your right to say, "I'm this is this is something that's happening to me, and I I have some say in." you know, what I want to take on board, what's happening to me, what, what, you know, all of that stuff. And Mm. I think knowing that gives you a little bit of control in a pretty much uncontrolled situation. Yeah. You know, when you feel like it's, Sort
0: of it's it's spinning. It's spinning, isn't it? And I and <laughs> I, you, yeah. you know, what you're saying here, Jerry, is very similar. I have a, a very close friend and she was stage four. So she was in a a lot further on the newer yeah. and it was quite serious. But I remember her being also equally strong and saying um, I don't want all this information like you've said. And she also was saying, no, I'm not having a load of medical students around me while you do this. I'm not a specimen yeah. and I want this yeah. to be done this and this way. And she ended up coaching her oncologist on how to be a better pa- patient uh, conversationalist because he was a bit sort of brusque. But um, it is like that. And we do have the rights, don't we, to to be an advocate for ourselves and and decide how we want to be treated, and I think that we sometimes forget that because I we're spinning, and you have your training in hypnotherapy that stops you from doing that. But a lot of people are just on this kind of ride and overwhelmed.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and it is easy to to, to feel overwhelmed. To um, and, and ultimately, I think thinking about all of these people i mean we're we're so lucky in the uk we've got the nhs and and it is a brilliant service when it works well it's not perfect by any stretch but when it works well and for me that cancer care that i've had wrapped around my whole journey with it has been i could not fault it it has been Mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant apart from the covid stopping you know perhaps you know arguably it might not have mutated if if i hadn't had that gap but you know it happens I'm I still don't fault the um you know the 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 system that I went through because it was through a particularly difficult time with the with the lockdowns Mm -hmm. and the pandemic yeah um but I do think for the individual understanding that you have some choice in this yes gives you a little bit of it just it just means you feel a little bit more in control of what's happening to you, you don't feel quite so helpless and I think that's yeah. that's a really powerful thing and a positive thing you can take out of it is is that you can you can kind of ride this wave you don't have to be sucked down by it yeah you know yes um, so yeah so I went um I had to have a second um Operation and in that operation they um they also took some lymph nodes just to check whether it had spread, which was you know obviously the big thing, and luckily it hadn't. Um so so my sort of you know, cancer really, if you're gonna get it, it was the best type to get. It was caught early, and that yeah. is the yes. key thing. The earlier things are caught. The more treatable they are, the better your outcomes are. I mean, that like your friend with stage four—it becomes a much oh. bigger journey and a much bigger treatment. Yes, band.
0: and that and that really becomes a bit hit and miss because you know she didn't have a great healing process. They were unsure that they could start the radio and chemotherapy. I mean, it was it was very touch and go whether she'd actually even be here, but she is here, and so I think she's very lucky, and we're all very blessed that she is. But you're right, and I think that's probably a message about making sure that you don't skip your screening. I mean, you went and you were screened and so they were able to pick it up. Probably had it not been COVID, they, they would have been even quicker with everything. I mean, that's just circumstance, but it is for the listeners a vital message that once we're in this age group, we really must go to those appointments and, and not fear them because yeah, they're a bit uncomfortable, but yeah. their life, they can be life saving.
1: The the discomfort that you might have, or the the sort of feelings of you know, kind of put you know standing there naked in front of some. None of that will compare to having to deal with something like stage four cancer, or yeah. you know, much bigger issues. Um, so you know, honestly, you just shut your eyes think of England or whatever you want to get it done and it's over in minutes it is minutes of your life yes but it could have you know make a huge difference and and a huge positive difference by getting that done um I'm I'm a member of um there's a perimenopause um Facebook group and I see time and again women putting on there from all over the world you know this it's not just a UK based um but that they've been sent a uh, screening appointment and they're so worried about going and they're really anxious, they're getting themselves so stressed about it and they, they're not sure if they're going to go and their doctor's been telling them they must go and they've missed the last ones. And you just, it's honestly not worth it. It's oh. not worth it. You just yeah. just book it, know you're going, put it out of your mind, you turn up, you get it done, you, yes. you go.
0: Yes. That's it. Uh, and the thing is that the people who do the screening are super pro they 're do they 're doing probably ten screenings like that uh, yeah. They are so professional they do their best to make an uncomfortable process um, yeah. comfortable and smooth they reassure you they 're super nice and then wherever you are, and i 've had breast screening in the u k in australia and and in Sweden. And I've never had a bad experience. It's just a bit of discomfort for a few minutes. And then, wham, wham, thanks, we'll see you next time. And you get your letter. You say, oh, it's clear. And if yeah. it's not, then they're very quick at picking it up because you're going regularly.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it it is, it really should be part of our just general. I mean, and, and the countries where we have free screening, how lucky are we? How yeah. lucky? So absolutely yeah, honestly, welcome it with two hands open and say yes, please. yes, yes please. I'm I'm yeah. having this because, because... it's not
0: free in the US and certain other no. parts of the world. You have to pay, and then obviously that becomes in itself a difficulty for those who can't afford. Yeah, absolutely. And and
1: you 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 honestly cannot do too much for yourself in terms of your health and making sure you know if you if you have these these screenings there you know to prevent you from getting anything you know or or to find out if you've got something and be able to deal with it early yeah you know that is the best thing you could do for yourself I mean you know forget about self-care going and having massages and baths and all the rest of it you could be doing that all day long Mm -hmm. but if you miss your screening that's all gone
0: that's all negated and that's the same with any screening that you get that's for free just take it and run with it because yeah. it could save your life. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. But turning now so,
0: because you were menopausal, um, yeah. perimenopausal should I say, the whole issue of HRT and and, mm. and not being able to <clears throat> currently get that. I mean, I know there's a lot of debate and doctors are now on the different sides of that agenda, but the general approach and the general recommendation from the British Menopause Society is that HRT is not appropriate for women who've had hmm. uh, breast cancer, so um, how did you actually then manage that whole journey?
1: so um, so one of the um, the treatments, so after the operation when they where they took out um, the actual cells and the material. Um, I then had to have radiotherapy and and I was also put on um tamoxifem, which is a an estrogen blocker. So not only am I in perimenopause producing less estrogen, mm-hmm. I'm on medication that's stopping the the reuptake, the the you know, the, the absorption of that estrogen. So it's kind of a bit of a double whammy, and yes. I can't have anything. To support oestrogen, so I can have, um, you know, a certain amount of things like soya, which we know has got natural sort of plant oestrogen yes. mimicking yeah, estrogen. Um, chemicals in them, uh, because you simply couldn't eat enough yes. you know to make a job, you'd be eating, shed loads yes of stuff. Um, but but anything to do with things like complementary medicine so so taking things like black cohosh um you know you get the Menopase, um yes. tablets yes. the well women's all of that yeah. nope, that's off the table um, certainly things like HRT off the table mm-hmm. so so there is a bit of a mental adjustment in that because going on that tamoxifen From having fairly mild symptoms of hot flushes every now and again and having breaks, I've basically had hot flushes since I've been on it, which is now, it was um, the end of uh, 2020. So a year and a half of hot flushes every night. So I would say in that period, I haven't had a full night's sleep, but it's fine. It is fine because you know I know that, and, and I have had periods. Um, so, so with the tablets, you can take breaks. So I did take right. a six-week break. Yeah, interestingly, made no difference. I thought I thought it would, but it didn't.
0: No, maybe um, not enough time for the body even to adjust. Quite frankly, we know that things like even hormone therapy itself will take. It takes five time, yeah, plus months to actually yeah. adjust to the body. Yeah. So a few weeks probably just gave you a break from medication and <laughs> but didn't yeah, really. It, just, it was like a mental warming. thing of like, oh I don't know,
1: I'm not gonna take it. Um, and this was all under the direction of the the oncology nurses, by the way. I didn't just sort of randomly decide yeah. not to take it. Um having things like a fan in the bedroom. Um winter has been great because I've had the windows open. Now we're <laughs> heading into summer, it's getting a little bit warmer. Um, i t- I tried um acupuncture as well that is re- a recommended um complementary medicine yes. you can use so so particularly NADA um acupuncture which is around the ears and um yeah. that that seems yes. to have some efficacy. Yeah. I got to the point though with it um th- that it became everything it became the beal i was I was focused too much on trying to find this cure. And actually, it was becoming a problem in itself, I felt. So um, So actually, I sort of stepped away from the acupuncture. Um, and I felt, when I made that decision, I felt a lot calmer about it all, because you can start to get a little bit stressed about it, a little bit upset, a little bit too focused on it. And, um, and is it working? Isn't it? Why is it? You know, what's happening? Um, so, so I think sometimes it is good to just to step away and think, actually, it is what it is. So, acceptance yeah, is a really powerful it? tool. It is, and yeah. it it can feel a little bit like you just, well, you, you not you're just not you're not just giving in, but you are you're just going with the flow for a bit, and it doesn't mean it's forever either.
0: No, no, and of course, eventually you'll you will go through perimenopause, and then it, you may find that you then got. Um, a much lower level. and Obviously, are not estradiol but estrogen, and and maybe by that stage you can be off your medication a long term, or is it forever your medication? Uh,
1: the medication is for five years, so they yeah. they basically sort of give it to you for five years. But um, I mean, I have since, so I'm now uh, menopausal. So I've had that sort of one year, had that one day of you know, yes, yes. I'm on had my menopause yeah. day. Yeah, so I'm post. I haven't noticed any difference yet, so I'm still having the the sort of hot flushes at night but but actually, it's not as bad as it was. Um, and I think partly because of the stress around going through it, yes. you know when it was when it first started and every night, and you know the more cortisol you release with you know being stressed the more, the less estrogen, you know, it's like a seesaw. So cortisol goes up, estrogen goes down. So the more you can control your cortisol, the more you can support your natural chemical responses. So, um, you know, so, so it is a bit of a balancing act. And, and interestingly, with in, certainly in the UK, we've had this um, issue with HRT availability. Mm. And again, on the perimenopausal group that I'm on, I mean, yeah, I can tell you the amount of messages of, of <laughs> women freaking out because they're, yeah. they're not yeah. going to get their yeah. HRT. And, and I get it because it feels like it's a bit of a lifeline, but it's not the be all and end all, no. Um, no. you know.
0: And I think you sort of really see, feel said, slack. Go ahead, Jerry. I mean, I think what you've said is you've you've pointed to this acceptance part of it. Yeah. And I and I think that you talked about, you know, the acupuncture and the over-identification. Probably what is appearing in a lot of these groups is then the over identification with menopausal yeah. symptoms, to the point that it feels like it's being done to you. Something is done to it. And it isn't. It is it's still a natural process and acceptance is, you know, allowing just going with the flow a bit, take some yeah. of that pressure off. I mean, obviously HRT shortages are, are just bad management on the part of the government and all the rest, which is shocking for me because you suddenly dropped like a stone, which is never the recommendation from, from clinicians. No. But like, I mean, I hear C clinicians saying there is HRT out there. Actually, they're saying there are other forms and people please talk and don't go to car parks and swap things with each other. Or <laughs> so, no, Yeah, the black market it, of HRT now. Yeah, buy it in Spain without, uh, without prescription where you can over the counter because actually that's quite dangerous to do.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, if you only focus on that one thing, the idea that you can only be fixed or mended or, you know, helped with this prescription through the gp then i think a you're you are setting yourself up for stress and anxiety around it particularly when when it isn't available or things go wrong but you're also doing yourself a bit of a disservice because you know we do have tools that we can use we can make sure that we are And they're not fixes. None of these are fixes, but they're all part of a jigsaw that will help manage the situation. Because ultimately, the situation is we are women of a certain age going through a life stage. And, you know, at some point we come out the other side. I know HRT for some women is for, for the rest of their lives, but, you know, we're all different. So so it's yes. about having that range of tools. But if you can claw back a little bit of your, um you know, kind of control over the situation, it, it makes you feel so much better about mm. it. So making sure that you're eating well and yes. properly, not, you know, you don't have to be a martyr or a saint about it, but you can, you know, ditch a little bit of the ultra-processed, Get rid of the fizzy pop. Maybe cut down a little bit on the alcohol. I certainly. I mean, I'm not a big drinker, but yeah, I, I hardly drink at all now, because mm-hmm. although I enjoy wine, I know that it interferes with my uh, body temperature. So at night, I it, it does make those hot flushes worse. So, mm-hmm. so knowing that, I can make a considered decision if I'm going out with friends do I drink? Yes, I do, because I enjoy it. And it's a nice thing to do. I know there are consequences. Or I can say, actually, I'm not going to drink tonight, because I know the consequences are x, y, z. So you can make a choice. And that choice is hugely empowering, yeah. for, for um, you know, for anybody. Um, so an and exercise, making sure that you are Getting out, getting fresh air, getting out in the sunshine, yep. doing especially with summer coming, um, working on strength training because obviously we lose our that, that mm-hmm. bone yeah. density in menopause. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so so there are all those things that we can do to support ourselves, and that's really really important.
0: It is,
1: um, yes. and it gives you that that sense of power and control back, and that you know, so that if. Things like the HRT issue coming up you know yes it's a biggie but it doesn't feel like it's the end of the world either so you can manage it a lot better
0: no and I think you brought up an important thing there about strength training I mean obviously what have they said to you with respect to osteoporosis and your bone health because estrogen has a big role to play in there and obviously if you not only are you not being able to take anything but mm-hmm. also um, you're actually blocking it. Has there been any specific recommendations around that? Um, you?
1: Yeah, so we did, um, I discussed with one of the um, cancer nurses around, um, you know, kind of lifestyle, and obviously they, they had um, sort of
0: pointers on
1: nutrition. Um, it does help, I think, uh, helps myself, that um, I did wellness coaching over the lockdown period. So then that, that took over, you know, that, that was that's kind of an umbrella term for everything so so it looked at nutrition it looked at exercise it looked at um you know stress management sleep all of those things um and um I'd already started so I I've always been very active anyway yeah I did um I used to run a lot although that's slightly gone by the wayside I did an ultra marathon last year and I was booked to do one this year so it's a 100k run uh, I got COVID so that's why I'm slightly nasally yeah. sort of sounding <laughs> yeah. and I just thought actually I just I can't see my running training getting anywhere near uh, you know yeah. being able to do the 100k no. so, so that's the no. being postponed but, but I also started um, at the beginning of lockdown started doing daily yoga Mm. um and that has been i would say for me transformational i i i'd sort of always kind of dabbled with yoga but it was a little bit not fast or sweaty enough for me and it wasn't you know <laughs> all of the stuff that I liked about <laughs> running and about going to a gym yeah
0: um
1: but actually i i sort of started this daily you know there was like a 30, a ninety day um kind of challenge and then the yoga teacher i i sort of do, it's a she has an online membership and I joined the membership and honestly that has improved my strength my flexibility yes um hugely complementary to the um running mm. I, which I'm not doing a lot at all at the moment but um and strength you know yeah. So, so yeah and, and yoga is something that the um the breast cancer nurses would yes. um, would recommend as something a for stress management but also for strength flexibility um the breathing is so good for you as well of course so yeah, yeah. it's um, the whole food yoga is the whole food it is the whole food, food and, I, and i think we're <laughs> often
0: seeing women being told to really pick up a lot of weights and things but actually in yoga you have to and I'm a practicing yogi I've been practicing yoga for a long time when it was I always say I was practicing yoga long before it was fashionable (laughs) and I kind of avoid the fashionable um places and do, do you know do my own and I have some different blends of yoga there but definitely for me um it's you have to be strong and, yeah, you do. and I yeah. do some very, um, I do some yoga for joints now as well, yeah. which gets into your joints and helps to ease and lubricate your joints. And then I do strength yoga, strength yoga too. And, you know, I don't need to be pumping a lot, a lot of these days, because I've got the dog. <laughs> She's my friend out there, but we're getting out. And I think you're right that these are practices and yoga is good for menopausal symptoms and yoga is good for, for, can, for cancer, um, patients
1: yeah 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 and it is good it, it, and it's something you can do you can do it for you know five ten minutes to slip it you know if you don't have much time you can do an hours class you can you know you don't have to get hot and sweaty with it but you can get hot and sweaty with it. Um I quite like I've been doing a lot of the inversions, so the headstands and the arm balances and and that's been a journey. So in the beginning I could barely, you know, I couldn't even get, <laughs> lift my my bottom up over my head. And now, you know, now I can hop up into these things. So yeah. so so that's been great because it's like um you know, you can see the change in yourself and you can see the change in, in your strength. And, and, yeah. and, of course, it's excellent for the core, which is, oh. you know, a really good, you know, yeah, everybody awesome. should have a good, strong core because that supports back. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So these things are things that we can do that really help ourselves and they make us feel good and we're achieving. I mean, who cares if you can stand ahead, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I know I'm doing it and I, it's an achievement.
0: Exactly. Is that, and I love that. And I mean, that you've really just demonstrated there are some very key ways of managing menopause symptoms when HRT isn't an option, or yeah. maybe you make a conscious choice that this is not a route for you. There are many other ways. And I love your, your term of it's a jigsaw of mm. um, approaches that can help us to, to do this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you if you're only if you're only saying the only thing that's going to help me is HRT and you and I mean, it's very tricky because some doctors are on board with it. Some aren't some, you know, there seems to be real hit and miss. But if that's the thing that you are only focused on, then you're just giving all of your power, all of your choice away. You're just saying I have no control in this situation. It's all down to whether I get this prescription or not. Mm and actually then even then it's a bit of a um minefield because not you, you know it depends on the strength you need and it depends on the type of you know um medication and all the rest of it so so again there needs to be some adjustment in that but but again you can you can help yourself and having and this sounds so trite but having a bit of a positive mindset about this sort of saying to yourself this is a life change i'm lucky that i'm living to the age where I can go through this because there are women who don't make it this far and let's just see where we go with it let's see you know and and it's I mean there are it is slightly mixed with that I can't have any more children thing. Or if you Mm. haven't had children, that's the end of your, you know, your childbearing years. So there is, there is a little bit of a mental shift in that. And it can be a little bit of a grieving process. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, I've got two daughters, they're 15 and and, um, 12. We haven't planned to have any more, but there's a difference between not being able to and not, not wanting to so yeah. so so yeah. yeah give yourself time a little bit of a like hug and a you know say actually it's all right and and it's fine to feel a bit sad about it yes but then move on and think you know right this is now the time for me again it's mm. you know it's a new awakening kind of thing i think i think in the um far east they have that approach mm-hmm. you know and, and there's yeah. a there's a um uh, you, you know a, a direction towards that that kind of female wisdom in older age that we tend to not have in the west because we're much more geared towards kind of worshiping youth <laughs> than we are towards we are um, indeed, yeah. you
0: know respecting <laughs> our,
1: our older sure. age
0: indeed and I and I mean that's that's absolutely so important for us and it doesn't last forever that's the thing about perimenopause; oh, no. it does not last forever. You and yes. I are both through it, and we know that that we're now on the other side. Yeah, Joe, if you had three key top tips for people in perimenopause who are diagnosed with well any form of cancer, um, mm-hmm. what would those be?
1: So the first one is absolutely think about stress reduction. Mm-hmm. So look at the you know make sure you're doing things that help to relax you that you enjoy doing that make you feel positive because the you know the the more relaxed we can be the better our body is at coping with whatever it's having to deal with the better we are mentally as well we're in much more resilient state Um, I would say also. On that sort of point, is you know, making sure you look after yourself. So, we you know, we are so used to living life at 100 miles an hour and being something to everyone, nothing to ourselves. Yes. But, if you know, particularly if you are going through some kind of medical, um, you know, issue, that that's really a big, big red flag to say yep. you need to stop, you need to look after yourself and let other people look after you as well um I was having a discussion actually with my husband about this earlier go, we were talking about me um meals you know I mean I can't tell you how many dinners I have prepared <laughs> and over lockdown it felt like it was almost constant like having to make sure we had food because my daughters were at home from school yeah. all this sort of stuff yeah. um and and he sort of he sort of said, oh oh, I, well I never cook. He's, he doesn't like cooking, you know. And actually, <laughs> I think it would be quite disastrous. But anyway, uh, he said, oh, I, I feel quite lazy. I never cook. And I said, well, but that's actually not your fault either, because I've trained you to do that. Yeah, I've trained you. Train your family to yes. do what they do. So yes. So my third point, I think, my third tip is to start training in a savvy way your family to do the things you want them to. Don't don't suddenly go, right, well, I'm ill, you're doing everything. Start giving them little jobs. Start doing it subtly and nicely because you've spent years training them one way and taking it all on board. It's going to take a little adjustment to turn that around. Um And this is not being manipulative or or um underhand at all. I think it's about stepping back and realizing yeah. that actually you've got a part in their behaviors as well, and therefore you can help them <laughs> on board because they'd actually mostly your family would would want to help you if they realized that they weren't they'd be probably quite horrified but it's just everybody gets used to it we all take stuff for granted and we do. you know
0: <laughs> moms, Indeed we we, do.
1: <laughs> yeah we do it because it's easier for us to do but actually we're doing everybody else a bit of a disservice if we just continue to do that mm-hmm. so so mm-hmm. let people in i'd say and give them i mean you know how good it feels to help other people yeah. so give them that gift let them help you because it does make you feel good it makes when we help other people, it makes us feel good. So you're giving that gift to them to help, you know, them make you feel good. So
0: oh, yeah. I love that, Jerry. And that's just so three really valuable tips that anybody can bring into your life. Yeah. So the and they're there, all you know, free. They're, they're <laughs> free. And that's the other thing is they're free. They don't require you to pay lots of money. They're just a lot of them are shifts in in your mindset and your behaviors. To to really move you forward, Jerry. How can people get hold of you and find out more about the work you do in clinical hypnotherapy and wellness?
1: So I've got my website, which is GeraldineJoakim.co.uk. I had a bit of a rebranding um, earlier in the year. Um, if they looked up Quest Hypnotherapy, that's also still there, and that would just point to to my page um so yeah nice and, and I've just literally just released this week a um an online sleep program and again that's through the website the next one will be a menopause one so you know watch watch out for that <laughs> um, because I think people want that you know they mm. they want information but in a really accessible way and an yeah. easy to digest way and a human way so you know from from people who have been there and done that
0: Indeed. Thank you so much, Jerry, for coming on and and sharing your story. Uh, Very inspirational for other women who find themselves in this position.
1: Lovely. Thank you. It's been great talking to you, Carissa.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that, because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening, and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.